elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So it was the foreknowledge of God that led to us as children of God, vast multitude as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea, as you often hear me say, and as the Bible says, it was the foreknowledge of God that led God to select or choose a people because he knew nobody would choose him. Now, the problem with those people are they have sin. They come from Adam, so they're sinners. And so there's some more things that have to take place to enable these people to be in heaven. None of which involve what that person does, which is interesting. So it says that they are elect or chosen through the foreknowledge of God. He specifically knew and chose that individual person. And then it says through sanctification of the Spirit. Now, this is one of my, I love them all, but I really enjoy the examples that are given in the Scripture of what, what's going on here with the sanctification of the Spirit. And by the way, the sanctification of the Spirit is not the only role of the Spirit of God, but it is a major role. <laughs> the, the Spirit of God will guide us into truth after we're sanctified, after we're born again. Uh, the Spirit of God has many roles that relate to our day-to-day life. It's very important what the Spirit of God does for us. But the first thing that the Spirit of God does for a chosen child of God is sanctifies them or borns them again. Now, this will only happen, this will only occur to a chosen child of God. We'll see some of that in Scripture. The word sanctification right here. It is the Greek word, if that does anything for you. It's the Greek word. I would pronounce it as hagiosmos. That may be a different way to pronounce that. Y'all can ask Brother Chris. But, but hagiosmos is the Greek word. And it means consecrated. It means purified. It comes from a root word that means hagios or hagios. That, that is, that's the pronunciation of it. And it means holy. And the root word of that word means Warm, which I think is really interesting when it comes to the effect of the Holy Spirit on the child of God. It literally warms a dead, cold heart. So we're going to look at where this word occurs, this word for sanctification, so we can understand why Peter uses the word sanctification of the Spirit. And then we're going to look at what the Scripture describes in other places as sanctification of the Spirit or the new birth. So first of all, I want you to look at Romans 6. And all I did here, and this is very easy, anybody can do this, is I just searched the words, the word hagiosmos, I just searched it to see where else it occurs. And it's not that many times. By the way, that's a if you've got a strong dictionary with Greek and Hebrew in it, don't let that scare you because I'm no Greek scholar, I'm no Hebrew scholar. But you can use that as a, an incredible tool for study. It's incredible. I promise you that if you'll immerse yourself in a Strong's concordance that has a Greek and a Hebrew dictionary in it, that's not, that's not all about the Hebrew and Greek words. It's about the definitions of the words. If you'll engross yourself in that, you'll never lack for anything to study. Never. You'll say, I don't know what to study. If you have a Strong's and immerse yourself in it, you'll never lack for anything to study. And ask somebody that does that, they'll say the same thing, I guarantee you. Romans 6, and we want to read about this word, sanctification. Let's read in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. 
and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? But God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered of you, delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to righteousness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. And that word holiness is the same word for sanctification. So you see, holiness means sanctification, and sanctification means holiness. So think about it this way. The Holy Spirit's function is to bring something holy to you. To set it, it, sanctification almost also means to set apart. So it literally is bringing, you say, well, there's nothing clean about me. I understand and I identify with that from a natural standpoint. But if you're born again, there is something clean about you. And it is the seed of the Holy Spirit that is planted in the heart by God in the new birth. Now let's look at another place. And by the way... If y'all ever hear me read a long time like that, you'll know that I didn't know exactly what verse to start at. And I was just hoping and praying I'd come to sanctification or holiness down there. I finally did. Man, thank goodness. I may have to dress that up a little bit for the podcast. But anyway, it was a good read. And that was, you know, it's the perfect word of God. So anyway, I'll let y'all in on these little secrets every now and then. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 4 and look at verse 3 now. This will bring it a little bit more home. And remember, Paul is writing in Romans and in 1 Thessalonians about sin and righteousness. And he says, let's read verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That everyone, there, and there's the word, sanctification. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification. That's holiness and honor. Now drop on down to verse 7. Same word again, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Same word. So you see, the deal with this word sanctification of the Spirit, it is a foreign element to the natural man that is implanted into the child of God that comes from somewhere else. If you remember Psalms 14, Psalms 53, and Romans 3, it says there is nothing good in man. There is no holiness in man. There's no righteousness in man. So there's got to be something done to man that changes man. And that is, first of all, the father chose. But then when it comes to the child of God, the chosen child of God, it is a foreign element. The spirit of God, which is the holiness of God and the set apartness of God and the otherworldliness of God, and he puts that in a child of God. You see, that has to occur for a child of God to become a child of God. The, the choosing of the Father had to occur before the foundation of the world. But also, the Spirit has to come to the heart of a child of God that's been chosen, whose name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now understand, as David said over there on his dying bed, in the book of 1 Samuel and in the Psalms, David said on his dying bed that the, the sum of God's people is no more than what God has said and no less than what God has said. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing that terribly. But it, David says that the sum is no more 
than what God numbered and no less. So we can rest in the fact that God says every single one of my chosen children, the exact sum of those chosen will be in heaven. That makes me feel secure in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not going to be anybody missing in heaven that should have been there, but they didn't quite get there. It's just not going to happen. And there's not going to be anybody on this earth who will miss the new birth. I'm going to show you those examples, which I'm sure you already know, but it doesn't hurt to be reminded. So you see, sanctification of the Spirit, it means to be born again by the Spirit of God. An otherworldliness, something beyond this world, something that's holy, comes into the heart of the child of God. Now let's look at what other terminology is used to describe this, because this is what I really enjoy. This is, this is where the Scripture to me, and it should, I think to all of us, become rich and even more beautiful. Because there's so many different ways that God... In his word describes the sanctification of the spirit. Some of these you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm very familiar. That Some of them we might not be as familiar with, but some that we use regularly. Ephesians 2 and 1. This is another description of sanctification by the spirit. Remember the role of the spirit is to born again the chosen child of God. The role of the spirit is also to confirm the gospel to the chosen child of God. To confirm the truth of God's word to the child of God. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Holy Spirit is there to do that for us. So it's important to listen to preaching. And if you've listened to truth preaching through the years and you hear something that doesn't make quite that same sound, you should be able to detect that. That's the Holy Spirit helping you detect that. If you go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like what the Word says. That's the Holy Spirit saying, "Uh uh-uh, that's not what my Word says. Oh my goodness. If God's people's minds were tuned to to the song of the Holy Spirit... And they heard the word of God preached. How many places throughout the nation, and I'm not calling any names, but how many places would they go, what? Wait a minute now, that doesn't sound right. See, that's what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do for us. Doesn't sound what's, like what's written there. You got to know what's written there before you can ever know whether or not it sounds right. Isn't that right? Quickening, Ephesians 2 and 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is another description of the new birth, of the sanctification by the Spirit. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God and to the sanctification of the Spirit. You could say this. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God and by the quickening of the Spirit. Because we were dead in trespasses and in sins. Remember how we got dead? That's bad English. But you remember how we're dead? We're dead in Adam. Adam's nature descends down to us. Therefore, we're dead in Adam. So we've got to have something done to us to change us. And that's the work of the Spirit. The sanctification of the Spirit, the quickening of the Holy Spirit. We are quickened from the dead. I want you to notice, this is very important. I want you to notice that how, if not all, but most of these terms are so descriptive of the kind of power it takes for this to happen. Who in the world can bring back life from the dead? (laughs) None of us have that power. I've used this example before. You go down through there and you see roadkill. Recently, Brother Chris killed a gigantic rattlesnake. I've only seen two rattlesnakes on our farm in 49 years. And they've all been within the last 10 or 15 years when our neighbors planted huge pine trees on the adjoining property. Otherwise, no rattlesnakes on McCool Farm. Safe place to live, safe place to visit. But there's been two rattlesnakes, and this one was huge. It was as tall as Lila, that big around. Brother Chris had already blown its head off. It literally had no head left. And of course, when I found it, they were all standing around there, you know, gawking at it. I went and picked it up. I saw its head was gone because I love the feel of that. I know it's crazy, but I love the feel of that thing still moving and living 
not living, but moving in there just from the reflexes. I said, look at this thing, you know, and it's just writhing around, you know, making those moves. But it's dead, you know. It would take a supernatural event to get the head back on that serpent and to say, live. I mean, I don't have that power to you. When he says we are dead and trespasses and in sins, he does not mean that a person is physically dead. The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul and he was Saul of Tarsus, he was dead in trespasses and in sins when he was going to kill Christians on the road to Damascus. This is, the, this is the back door look at it. But the thief on the cross, while he was cursing Jesus, and before the Holy Spirit sanctified him and brought something foreign into his heart, he was dead in trespassing and sins. And it, it did not take the preacher, it did not take Ananias prior to the Apostle Paul being born again on the road to Damascus to go and born him again. See, Ananias came to him after he was born again. See? So, something that's dead cannot get itself alive. So you see the folly, you see uh, the ineptitude of saying to someone, you know, you're dead in sins, you need to get born again. It doesn't make sense. If somebody says, oh, I want to be born again, I do, I want to be, they're already born again. They just need a different information. See, we as old Baptists, we preach the gospel, we rejoice in the gospel, we love the gospel, but the purpose of the gospel is not to born somebody again. The purpose of the gospel is to educate the born again. So I say to somebody, if you love the Lord, follow Him. If you love the Lord, walk the aisle. If you love the Lord, confess Christ. Because I know that the scripture says that the only person that can do that in sincerity, the only person that can confess Christ, the only person that can uh, walk the aisle with a heart turned towards the Lord, the only person that can truly be baptized with a heart focused on the Lord is a born again child of God. (laughs) So in one sense, from that standpoint, there's no way to lose when we preach the gospel. See, that's the way I feel about it. Now, you may be on the other end of that saying, yeah, I need to walk the aisle. Yeah, I need to be baptized. But you may be on the losing end. You don't want to be on the losing end. Come on and follow the Lord. If you love the Lord and you want, uh, you want to uh, be with the Lord and you want to be with God's people. See, that's just, that's just the gospel. It's good news. See? But it is not to born again somebody. So, the quickening is God's role. You see? The Spirit of God quickens. You have He quickened who were dead and trespassing in sins. Look at John 5 and 25. Another, the reason this is important and the reason I'm emphasizing this is it's another description of the same thing. Listen to what He says. John 5 and 25, familiar verses of Scripture. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead... Remember we just said Ephesians 2 and 1. You have He quickened who were dead... When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. You see, the, the Lord, notice, break this down. He says, there's coming, the hour's coming, and now is the hour. He said, we're not waiting for this down the road. When the dead, that's dead in trespasses and in sins. How do we know that? How do we know he's not talking about resurrection? Because he's going to talk about resurrection in two verses. When the dead shall hear the voice of the preacher. The voice of the track, the voice of the Sunday school teacher, the voice of the youth pastor, the voice of this person, the voice of mama, the voice of daddy. Doesn't say that, does it? This is the voice of the Son of God. See, that doesn't make any sense, you know, because Jesus isn't here. He's here in the Spirit. You see, this is another way to say a person is born again. It's hearing the voice of the Son of God. And if you want to know a little bit about that voice, 
Just read about Elisha's experience with the still, small voice of God. You know where Elisha heard that voice? I'm not saying Elisha was being born again then. He was already born again. But that's another role of the Spirit. We hear the still, small voice of the Son of God. You hear it in the new birth when you're born again. And I think He continues to whisper to you. It's not a squawking bird. It's not, it's not a screech owl. It's like a dove. It's just a still. You ever heard a dove coo? You kind of have to strain to hear that. I'm going to tell you, you have to strain sometimes to hear the still small voice of God, but he will speak to you in the firmest terms that comply and go right along with what his scripture says. Now, it's, a, it's described as hearing the voice of the Son of God. It's also, this also carries over to being des- describing it as a resurrection. You know, life from the dead is a resurrection. Hours coming now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Don't you love the shalls and the wills of the Scripture? It's not a possibility that they'll live. It's not a chance for them to live. They shall live. For as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself, and hath given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which that all that are in the grave shall hear His voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good. Jesus says, don't, make, don't think this is a big deal. You, you notice in the book of John, over and over, He's coming back to the new birth. Because Nicodemus didn't understand it. These people didn't understand it. He keeps coming back to it. He says, if you think it is something just outlandish, that I'm, what I'm talking about, borning again people, the Spirit of God, my voice speaking to their heart, he said, if you think that's outlandish, you're, you're, you're going to be, uh, um, you're not going to, you can't understand that I'm going to resurrect the dead one day. It's going to be, see, it's going to be the voice of Jesus. You see that? It's the voice of Jesus that gives new life in the new birth. It's the voice of Jesus that's going to call and resurrect all bodies, not just the elect, not just the chosen, but the righteous and the wicked. They're good. You say, how do we know that? It says that. It says, they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation, they that have done good under the resurrection of life. You see, the sanctification of the Spirit is described as the quickening. It's described as a resurrection. It's described as hearing the voice of the Son of God. Let's turn to John 6, just a page or two over. I hope you see how through the book of John, Jesus is just coming back to, to His power in His voice. John 6, and let's look at verse... First of all, let's look at verse um, 37. Very familiar verse. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And Jesus says in verse 44, No man can come unto me. Except the Father which has sent me draw him. This is another way to describe the new, uh, the new birth. It's a drawing to the Lord. It's Jesus, but Jesus said, nobody can come to me. Nobody can draw themselves to me. That's why it's the Lord's work. He said, but Brother Tim, how in the world do we really know that this is talking about the new birth? Read verse 63. He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and of life. They are of life, but there are some of you that believe not. In verse 65, therefore said I unto you. This is why I told you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Do you see that connection? It's just clear as a bell. You'd have to have a theologian to help you mess that up. And many do. Jesus says, I told you that no man can come to me except it were given unto him of my father because it is the spirit that quickens. Verse 63. You have to quicken who were dead and trespasses and sins. The new birth. Look at Ephesians 2 and 10, back in the book of Ephesians. By the way, there's seven of these. We'll get through seven of these and we'll pretty much be done. Ephesians 2 and 10, back to the same chapter, but a different verse. Two descriptions of the same thing in one chapter of Ephesians. Remember, it says, you have the quickened who were dead. Resurrection. 
Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Here it's described as a creation. By the way, I'm just giving you one or two verses on each one of these. There's others. There's plenty of others. But I only have time to give you one or two. He says, we are His workmanship. We are created. Now, what in the world does anything do to get created? (laughs) It's not possible, is it? What in the world does anything do to get life from the dead? It's not possible within that self, but within the the person or within the whatever the object is you're talking about. What What does anyone do to resurrect themselves? It's not possible, is it? You see how the consistency of the language, it is just, you just have to say, well, I'm just not going to believe that. You just have to say, I'm just not going to believe it. I choose not to believe it. So Jesus said, you can't draw yourself to me. You've got to be drawn by the Father, which is also the the Son of God speaking to the heart, which is also the Spirit of God sanctifying, borning again the heart. Okay. And by the way, we ain't even got to the good ones yet. Um, They're all good. Uh, Let's go on. Ephesians 2 and 10. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. All right, now look at um, Hebrews 8 and 10 where the new birth is described as God writing His law in the heart of the child of God. Why does God have to write His law in the heart? Because Adam's law is written in the heart of every single person that descends from Adam. Once again, I throw in my little plug for anti-evolution. You can't believe evolution because evolution gets around Adam. That's the whole purpose of it, by the way. It's not about accurate science or anything like that. It's about getting around the judgment of God. You get around Adam, then you get around descending from Adam. So Hebrews 8 and 10 is about the Lord writing the law of God in the heart of God. I know this stuff is technical, but I hope we're having fun with it. I'm having fun. If you're not, I hope you are. The Lord says, Hebrews 8 and 10, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. It's from Jeremiah, by the way. Saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. I write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Now, don't let this trip you up as though God is saying, I'm going to change the way I'm born in people again. God is not changing the way he borns people again. He's always done the same, same way since the days of Adam. He's merely revealing how he does it. That's why Jesus has to go over and over and over and tell them, this is how you get life. It's not by keeping the law. It's not by keeping the Ten Commandments. It's by the Spirit of God going into your heart. I am Christ. I am the Spirit of God. You see? And when I speak to the heart of a child of God, that's the sanctification of the Spirit. It's all perfect and complete and all glory to God. Now, you can go over to 2 Corinthians 3 and 3. You don't have to. You just write that one down. That's where he speaks of writing his laws on the fleshy tables of the heart. You see, Adam's law was written on our heart by descending from Adam, and God has to overrule that. He has to write something else. He has to write something foreign on the heart of the child of God and born them again. Since we're at Hebrews, look at Titus. Just a few pages. Just a few pages away. Titus 3. Let's read verse 3. These are what you call among old Baptists. These are just honey holes. <laughs> These are scratching posts, I tell you. But they're good. And, it, you know, the old cat comes back to the same scratching post and he just scratches, 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 scratches. The good thing about this is the old scratching post is never going to be uh, worn out. <laughs> these will never wear out. You could scratch and scratch and come back to the hunting of these verses for the rest of your life and on into eternity. Titus 3 and 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes dis- foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hating and hating one another, hateful and hating one another. But after that, 
After that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Now here's another description of the new birth. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can look at that in two ways. One way you can look at that is... After you're born again, you can look through the the good news of the gospel and see that Jesus Christ shed grace and mercy upon you abundantly. But literally, and I mean physically and spiritually, when the Lord borns again a child of God, it is Christ in them. It is the shedding of mercy and grace in the heart of the child of God when they're born again. You see? A change occurs. So here it's described as a washing. Now, number seven... If you want to know the six, it's the quickening, Ephesians 2 and 1, resurrection, John 5. It's the coming to Jesus in John 6 and 39 and verse 63. It's the creation, Ephesians 2 and 10. It's writing the law in the heart of the child of God, Hebrews 8, 10, 2 Corinthians 3 and 3. It's the washing of regeneration, according to Titus, the third chapter. And then, I, I suppose, one of the greatest descriptions of them all and the easiest to understand of all of them. I understand them all. I hope you do. But this is so easy. Even a small child can understand John 3. (laughs) And by the way, one of the smartest men of that day who was a theologian could not understand. And I think it was more he would not understand. He just refused to see it because it was so clear. John 3, and we read where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And he says, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles. Jesus says, verily, verily, You think, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus is saying, you think you know how I come from God. But I'm telling you, you can't know that I come from God except you be born again. You see that? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You couldn't see these miracles. You couldn't understand where they come from unless you're born again, Nicodemus. And I'll just put my little chosen series plug in here too. One of my favorite scenes in the, in the Chosen series is whenever, I know it's man's take on it, but it's a good take. Whenever the actor playing Nicodemus sits down and talks with the actor playing Jesus on this rooftop here, where it's depicted as being on a rooftop at night, I'm going to tell you, that, that, that one was a mind blower. It was great. Some of you have seen it, you're going, yeah, that's right. I love the way that they portrayed Jesus to interact with that man. It wasn't harsh. It wasn't angry. It wasn't mad at the world. It wasn't all fired up and I'm right and you're wrong. No, Jesus, in that depiction, which I believe follows along with the character of our Lord in his humanity, that depiction is a beautiful depiction that really humbled me. Because I think about how many times I've wanted to argue with someone. I wanted to say, why can't you see it? So here Jesus says, you could not see what you're seeing from a spiritual standpoint and unless you were born again. And Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And of course, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He says, no, no. Truthfully, I'm telling you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. By the way, washing of regeneration, that's just another way of saying it. It's not talking about you got to be baptized to go to heaven. That's tripped up a lot of people through the years. Jesus is saying that you must be born again to be able to see and enter and enjoy and hear the things that you're hearing. And then he goes on, he uses the new birth. He uses birth to describe the new birth. And any child can understand that. Any young person can understand it. Anybody that's been born into this world, which is everybody, uh, can understand this. 
You and I, I did absolutely nothing to be born into this world. Nothing. I did nothing. Nobody consulted with me. Nobody looked ahead through time and said, well, would you like to be born into this world? It doesn't make sense, does it? What does somebody do to, be, to get life from the dead? What can they do? Nothing. What can somebody do to create themselves? Nothing. You can't create yourself. You have to be created on to be created, you see. How can you be resurrected? You can't do that. How can you take and write something in your heart, something spiritual in your heart? You can't do that. How can you come to Jesus when he says, no man can come to me? You can't do it. It's like that old bucket that we used to talk about that was let down in the well. The, you know, the, uh, it was not the water that jumped into the bucket. The, the, wa- the bucket drew the water out of the well. The Holy Spirit draws the child of God to him. And as the old preacher said long ago, somebody said, well, what if I don't want to be drawn? What if I don't want to do that? <laughs> the old preacher said he'd never seen anybody that had a bad case of salvations and wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> that person doesn't exist. Now, they may act disobedient and they may act ugly. And many children of God may shake their fists at the Lord because of the circumstances of their life that they don't understand that God didn't even do in the first place. Many children of God can get in bad spots, but there's never been anybody that had a bad case of salvation and just said, I don't want it. And also Psalms 110 says, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. You say, there's no person that ever has been willing to get saved. God's got to make them willing. He's got to draw them. He's got to resurrect their heart. He's got to bring life from the dead. He's got to bring the new birth to them. And nobody does anything to be born into this world. And neither does anybody do anything to be born of the Spirit. You see, as we close tonight, notice how Jesus goes on in patient laboring with this man. And he he continues to try to help him understand Nicodemus says, I don't get it. You're talking about being born again. Can a man enter his mother's, uh, can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb? Jesus says, listen to me now. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You know, you, you only will be born in, uh, into this world one time naturally. <laughs> and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, verse 7, you must be born again. And then he gives this great example, which this is not... I would say this is an example of how the Spirit works. It's not a a calling of the same thing. It's an example. You know, it's not like calling it a creation, calling it a resurrection, calling it regeneration. This is Jesus demonstrating how it works. And he says, the wind. Everybody on the planet, except, you know, everybody that's cognizant knows what the wind is. The wind blows where it listeth. And you hear the sound thereof. You cannot tell whence it cometh, whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Uh, when Brother McNeil told that story on Sunday about discussing with Brother Neil about the wind and seeing the wind, it made me think of when Elizabeth was a small child. And we had that same discussion. And I said, guys, I said, can, can y'all see the wind? And Elizabeth said, yes, sir. It was a windy day. It was a fall day and leaves were blowing. She said, I see it. I said, are you sure you see the wind? I mean, point it out to me. She goes, there goes a leaf. And she goes, right there. (laughs) I said, honey, what you're seeing is the result of the wind. You can't see the wind. Now, you might take some dirt or you might take some flour. And when the wind blows and throw that flour or that dirt up into the wind, and it carries, the wind carries that, but you're still not seeing the wind. It's invisible. See? And who in the world tells the wind where to go? 
Boy, I know there's some of us, and especially down there on the coast, that as many hurricanes have come along this year, they've had to restart over with the letters, you know? I'm sure there's people that would say, I wish I could tell the wind where to go. Don't come here. It's already been here 15 times. But you can't tell the wind where to go. Jesus says the wind blows where it listeth. You can't tell it where to go. You don't know where it came from. And you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell when it's come, where it's come from or where it goes. Now watch this absolute across-the-board rule about every person, every chosen child of God that ever has been born again, is being born again. As I'm speaking now, somewhere in the world, children of God are being born again, I believe. And every child of God that will ever be born again. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus says every single person. They may have different circumstances, but every single one is born again the same way. Everyone is born again the same way. That's a great, comfortable, settle-into kind of rule, is it not? You don't say, well, what about, the, what about infants? Aren't they born again a different way? Isn't there an age of accountability? Not found in the Word of God. It's not in there. So the infant is born again the same way somebody Brother Tim's age would be born again. Somebody Brother Tim's age would be born again the same way that somebody who was 100 or 95 might, would, be, would be born again. He said, I wish we had some scriptural proof. we got plenty. <laughs> Jeremiah in the womb says that the Lord knew me in the womb. The Lord born again Jeremiah in the womb. Jeremiah 1 and 3. The Lord born again John the Baptist in the womb. Just a little baby still inside his mama. Isn't that good to know, mamas? Isn't that good to know? If, if uh, Especially we had one miscarriage. Other people have had more. But it was so comforting to know that that little babe in the womb can be reached by the Spirit of God and, and that gives me great comfort. I expect to meet that child one day in heaven. I don't know what age that child will be, but I expect to meet. Why? Because the Lord is able. See? So what about infants? they got a different way to be born again. No, Jesus says so is everyone that is born again. They're all born again the same way. What about incompetent people? I've told you before about Sister Evelyn, who was a member here, and Jerry, her daughter that she cared for for 27 years. Never had another child because she, that, that she had to take care of Jerry. She was just, just an invalid. You say, well, too bad for that person, right? Too bad for the person who is mentally challenged. Too bad for the person that can't speak. Too bad for the person that can't hear. Too bad for the person that is in some kind of vegetative state. What about little Maddie, Sister Maud's great-granddaughter that we prayed for you? Did you know she's still alive? Am I right? I think she just turned 17, not expecting to live for two years. She's 17. Poor little Maddie, who's never said a word, never done a thing, never fed herself, couldn't bathe herself, couldn't change herself. She's just laid there all these years. Praise God, she's going to be free one day. Why? Not because Brother Tim preached to her. Not because some preacher or some mom or some daddy or someone got to her. No, it's because the Holy Spirit can go where it pleases. It's like the wind, praise God. Isn't that good to know? He said, what about us old sorry adults? God borns us again the same way that He borns again the infant. He borns the infant the same way He borns again the incompetent. He borns again His people across the board the same way. And the only conclusion you can reach is one conclusion. All glory to God. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Elect according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification of the Spirit. If there's one or more here tonight that would like to follow the Lord because you have been sanctified by the Spirit and you love the Lord... And you want to follow him. We give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.